if you deploy our software, you know that you have control over your business and you can, at the touch of a button, find out how much was successful, how much was not successful, why was it not successful, and how can I improve it? Good day, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Simon Hyatt. I'm the contributing editor of Asian Banking and Finance magazine. I am joined today by Roland Brandley, Strategic Product Manager, Digital Payments at SmartStream. As part of a move to a more digital future, we've seen the rise of digital payments. And in partnership with Asian Banking and Finance magazine, SmartStream is hosting a podcast to highlight the current state of digital payments. In this podcast, we will discuss that current state, we will find out how banks and payment firms can take advantage of this, and we will take a peek into the future of digital payments. We will also talk about SmartStream's own efforts in strengthening digital payments. Roland, thank you so much for joining us today. It's really great to meet you, and we're really looking forward to what you have to say. It's a pleasure to be on your show, Simon. Thank you. Roland, perhaps to start things off, maybe you could give us a recap or an update on what's happening in the digital payments landscape in Asia in particular. Could you tell us what trends you've observed that are transforming payments in this region? Well, I think it's not even particular to Asia, but especially in Asia, we've seen the rise of payment mediums like Alipay and WeChat. Um, this is very important because it's around the mobile payment landscape, which works outside of the normal payment landscape of banks. And that rise has been spectacular, partially enforced also by the last two, three years, by the fact that digital payments have become more important because a lot of people couldn't leave their houses. I think especially in Asia, people are embracing technology much faster than in other countries. And I think it's very typical to see that even with contactless cards, they're being now replaced by the apps that you use on the telephone. And that, especially in Asia, is supported by Alipay and WeChat. Those are also obviously having a direct impact on the underlying bank-to-bank -bank payment landscape. So if you do more digital payments instead of using cash, there are more bank-to-bank -bank payments in order to settle that. And so even there, we've seen a rise of transaction volumes, um, slightly complicated by the introduction of ISO 20022, but also we see obviously a move to the importance of SIPs, which is the Chinese payment system, which has just recently occurred. And so I think, you know, it's a, it is a forever changing landscape, but it's going through some real drastic changes at the moment. Thank you, Roland. When we speak about payments in Asia, what buzzwords come to mind and why do those buzzwords come to mind for you? Well, I do think the buzzword that comes to mind is, you know, the telephone apps, paying by mobile. I think that's the biggest change and contactless payments. I think the entire world, but especially in Asia, the adoption of contactless payments is huge. And if you just think about the implications of that for a bank, before someone would go to an ATM, take money out of it, and he would buy 20 coffees with that cash. That was one transaction for a bank. Now he pays 20 times with a contactless payment device, which means it's 20 transactions for the bank. So that's a huge change in the landscape. Also, Asia, like the rest of the world, is beginning to adopt the ISO 20022 transaction data. That's a great opportunity because it has a lot of data, a lot more data that banks can utilize. But it's also proving to be quite problematic because it does mean a step back from the standardization we had experienced before in the SWIFT world. 
So banks, but also payment providers are now being more and more presented with the problem. And that is whilst they have a shared data format, they have to maintain that in multiple ways for multiple different system providers, which is proving to be very costly. I think you'll agree, Roland, we're witnessing what is arguably the most competitive landscape for digital payments. What with the speed of technological advancements that are being made and indeed the plethora of new players. How can payment firms tackle such a challenging environment? Well, I think there's only one answer to that. When the client becomes digital, one of the things that you see that a lot of people are not aware of is suddenly the dimension of time changes. So the first thing is the expectation of the client that everything becomes instant. His expectation is when he's doing these things online, when he's doing this with his mobile, it's instant. The second thing about time is that on top of being the expectation of being instant, it is also a question of how quickly do you adopt new products? So I think really what payment companies have to um, focus on and banks is in something called return of excellence. So, you know, up until now, we've always looked at return of investment. But ultimately, these organizations will be measured by how quickly and how efficiently and how well do they do things. It's very difficult to explain to a customer who's been used to having a payment go through in five minutes, but it takes five or six days to correct. In the previous world where a payment would take one or two, three days, people didn't mind, but their expectations change completely. And that means that you have to handle that because the delivery becomes much more important. Also, if you look around the digital payments or the digital initiatives that most of these organizations have started, a lot of it revolves around the onboarding of customers. So to give them quick access to bank accounts, to payment facilities, et cetera. And that's a double-edged sword because they can move away as quickly as possible as well. So, you know, if you don't deliver on the promises that you make, suddenly you're faced with a much more flexible and movable client base than it's ever been before. Roland, I think you make an excellent point that attrition or loss is just as speedy and efficient as, uh, as retention, isn't it? Or acquiring these customers in the first place. Roland, you, you made a very interesting point, and I'd like to drill down a little bit more on the return of excellence. What deliverables, how can you, what can you say regarding the return of excellence and how payment firms must address this? I think it's two things. First of all, it's obviously that the underlying processing systems are up to date and capable of processing the volumes, the size of the data feeds, but also in the capabilities of managing the exceptions, because that is always where the problem incurs. So think of it, an exception is like a bump in the road of a customer journey when he's trying to do a transaction. And so if something goes wrong, it's all about how quickly can you fix that. In payments, that's actually much more difficult because some of the things do take time. So things like anti-money laundering, Some things like um, KYC, know your client, take time. But the customer doesn't really understand or accommodate for that. That's not his problem. So you have to become much faster. And you could imagine in a T plus one, T plus two world where we were living previously, that was like driving down a road in a Rolls Royce, okay? And you hit a bump. And as a customer, you didn't really realize it because you still had those days in between that feathered it. 
Well, now you've basically taken away his lovely Rolls Royce and given him a wonderful Lamborghini, but you feel every bump in the road. And so I think that's what makes the difference. How to accommodate that? It's also not just about technology and business process. It's also about strategy. So, you know, where do you get your data from? Which partners do you actually engage with? Do they provide you good enough data? How are their exception management capabilities? So if I'm dealing with counterparties or with banks, you know, how long do they on average take to resolve an issue? How many issues do I have? So you have to start thinking on a much more strategic level of choosing who you do business with, and especially also with which payment providers, but vice versa. So it's going to be a very interesting challenge because it's not just something that you address with technology. Technology delivers you the insight, the transparency to make that sort of decision. But ultimately, it's also about really you know, working together and choosing and selecting your partners that can actually provide that excellence at a reasonable cost. It's a wonderful analogy, Roland. I would prefer a Lamborghini to a, a Rolls Royce, but the feedback cycle and the responsiveness of that Lamborghini is far more brutal. So I think you make a, a very, very good point, sir. Maybe to add to this, from your perspective as a leading provider of technological solutions, what else can be done? And importantly, where is the digital payments landscape headed, in your opinion? So there's a couple of things that can be done. I think probably some people are surprised, but the first thing is you have to break this down to a transactional level. When you look at a digital payment, basically is multiple stages. So it's when you, first of all, make your digital payment with your mobile phone, there's an authorization that takes place. So to see if you even have enough funds on your account or your card has enough funds available so that you can do this payment. Once that payment, once that authorization has come back, obviously this gets booked. That again needs to be reconciled, needs to be checked. And then you also have the settlement cycle. Now, that's all of it quite cumbersome, especially when you're looking at the volumes that digital payments create. Interestingly enough, a lot of people have been caught off guard by that. They tend to look at this just from a balance perspective, which means they don't have transparency why things are off kilter. And that's why certain organizations in the banking industry tend to talk about revenue leakage in the digital payments industry because they don't really identify where this cost is coming from. The other thing is without that sort of transactional control, you're forced to really, because it takes so much effort to find out and understand the problem, you're forced really to a certain extent to also encourage write-offs where it's just not worth checking. So, you know, I complain that I didn't buy this $2 coffee from a Starbucks. Is it really worth checking? Well, if I don't have transactional controls in place, no way. It's cheaper just to reimburse me. But as this is becoming now the largest segment of the payments industry, the largest segment of the bank's industry, that's going to have to change because you can imagine you can only do that so and so many times. Otherwise, you don't only have revenue leakage, you basically have a hole in the roof. So I think there's a lot of things that could be addressed. Um, the systems have to change. They have to encompass much more data. Um, again, this leads back to the ISO 20022. But that is of benefit to these organizations because we all know data is the new gold. And you can use that data in many places throughout the organization. So I think being able to address those larger data sets, being able to utilize that information is very important. And last but not least, 
it is the adoption of instant. Instant is not as easy as people imagine from a technology basis. And it does, to a certain extent, change the underlying technology that's utilized. Um, you know, most banking systems run on database technology, which is really very difficult to make it into a real-time technology. So I think we'll also be seeing that there's a huge change in the underlying technology platforms. We've also embraced this. I mean, we've moved away now from database technology to um, streaming platforms. All of our solutions are being designed and built to be ISO 20022 compliant. But the key part about that is we also want to reuse that data. That's why we also changed the technology platform to give really very wide API capabilities. Because as a reconciliations provider, we actually hold the best quality of data in the bank because it's been reconciled. And so we're looking at a completely new value proposition here in passing that data on to different departments, different systems for them to utilize. And that brings us full circle back to the deployment of an enterprise-wide control layer because this will become much more important to COOs in the future. If you do not have a a single enterprise control layer, it's very difficult to find out actually how efficient is your operation. So COOs or, or group COOs or um, group heads tend to do a lot of time analyzing reports that they're getting from all their different departments and systems. But how do you put them into relationship with another? Well, the ideal place is in a control framework. And that's exactly what we provide with, um, as an example, TLM Aurora. Thank you, Roland. We have a few minutes left, and I'd like you to walk us through in a little bit more detail, Aurora, which is, of course, SmartStream's answer to digital payment solutions. And I'd like to focus on its effect on the general public. Roland. Well, again, I mean, our effect on the general public is we keep the promises the advertising makes. <laughs> yeah. So in, in an ideal world, nobody even knows we're there. Okay, because all we did was the checks and balances and made sure everything was okay. And at the same time, if it went wrong, obviously to fix that. So one of the unique um, properties of the SmartStream software, which differentiates it, is we focus a lot on exception management, on making that much quicker, much faster, much more automated. And so I think there, you know, the public doesn't really feel that, apart from the fact that his problems are resolved much faster. Okay, and that's done by the bank or by the payment provider. They get the credit for that. You could say we sell the shovels of the picks, you know, um, the banks and the payment providers, they're the ones that are responsible for digging the gold. But we have extremely good shovels and picks and extremely modern ones. So I think that's, you know, to the effect on the general public. But ultimately, digging deeper into that, on a digital payment solutions, one of the things that we embraced very early and we still embrace is that reconciliation of the entire transaction lifecycle. So you might have experienced that when you once went to pick up money from a bank or used a card, that even though a transaction wasn't authorized, it was still already booked on your account. And so it still had to be recredited, reversed. Now, there is a way actually of avoiding that the terminal or the actual instrument that is using sends back a confirmation of distribution and that you only book then on a customer's client once you've received that confirmation. We can do that sort of thing, but it's also up to the organizations to embrace using that capability. 
up until now they've balked at that because they always wanted to do this in a in a netted way at a balanced level if you go down to the transactional level you can really improve that so we could instead of having the problem of having to reverse things on accounts all the time which takes time which causes an effect to the client because he's sort of like why have you taken money from my account i didn't even pay for that we can avoid that completely um, it just is a question of embracing the technology and the data flows. On top of that, we provide obviously a lot of insight into how those transactions flow. We provide a lot of insight also and information around the fees that are charged. So we see obviously through the transactional flows, what fees are people like MasterCard, Visa, et cetera, charging. So those are controls that can also help eliminate mistakes that have historically happened in that area. And again, it's all about control. If you deploy our software, you know that you have control over your business and you can, at the touch of a button, find out how much was successful, how much was not successful, why was it not successful, and how can I improve it? And I think that's all about it. That's what it's all about. And that's where we have to get. Because if you think about that exception management scenario again, which sometimes takes three, four days on bank-to-bank -bank payments, sometimes takes weeks when it comes to credit card or mobile payment transactions. If you wanted an analogy, it would be to a certain extent, if you logged onto Amazon and you wanted to buy something and it comes back and it says, yes, we've got your product, it's in stock. Um, we're just about to you know, finalize the purchase, but we'll tell you in four or five days when we'll deliver it. You probably wouldn't use Amazon. Then you would probably still go to a shop if you had to wait four or five days just to know when it's going to be delivered. And so it's that whole offering which makes the difference. And one small part could ruin the entire story. Roland, can you provide us with a one or two sentence take-home message for listeners on today's discussion? I think the entire banking landscape around payments is changing. First of all, as said, the adoption of instant will make a huge difference. There are new players on the market. There are fintechs on the market. Um, which are very, very fast and very quick. And they have a different approach to when they're looking at clients. They, they literally look at what are the problems that I can solve that create value. And so we have to change our, our way in banking of thinking about these things as well. You need to bring in transactional control as fast as possible because it's the fundament of anything that we will build in the future. If you don't have ground coverage, you can't build a house. And the same thing is with digital payments. So this is going to be the biggest part of the payment industry in the future. Um, it's, and that's a fundamental change because it's much more around retail payments than bank to bank payments. And so I think it's be prepared, ensure you put in proper transactional controls, do not neglect exception management because it's a huge part of your business and it will affect your reputation. And really look to gear to be prepared for the world of instant because the client moved to instant in the last two years. He moved to digital. He's one step ahead of us now. Roland Brandley, Strategic Product Manager, Digital Payments at SmartStream. Thank you so much for joining us today. Really great to speak with you. A pleasure. Thank you for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Simon Hyatt. I'm the contributing editor of Asian Banking and Finance magazine. Great to have you listening today. And once again, stay tuned for more podcasts from ABF. See you again.